0: Hello and welcome to episode 173 of The Dive Down, a Magic the Gathering podcast focused on the latest decks, trends, and strategies for the casual spike. My name is Shane here in sunny Denver, and with me on the line from beautiful
1: springtime Chicago, it's the one and only Stanislav. It's me. It's me, Stanislav. (laughs) We're doing this one again? Well, it's funny because Dan was just reading the notes because he was not intending to be here. Stanislav, you had you had a little little body malfunction, my friend, under the weather. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I had a little bit of food poisoning. Only happens once every ten years or so. Last time it was a taco burrito king. Because <laughs> you only eat once every ten years. That's one thing. People don't know about you. I, I go into very long hibernation periods. <laughs> Slow metabolism.
1: It's called intermittent fasting, Dave. Yeah, intermittent. <laughs> <It's> very intermittent. <laughs> No, but Stanislav, it's good to see you. I'm glad you're with us. It would not have been the same if it was just the two of us, me and Dave doing an episode. The people love it. People
0: <laughs> love it. People also love our godfather, Dave Harviger. You guys ever have a podcast
2: that has a reasonable number of listeners, and sometimes you broadcast it live, and then you realize that you swore a lot
1: in the pre-roll that was live on Twitch? I mean, only only one person was here, and then it gets deleted. Is it my mom? It gets deleted. I don't know. It's Steve's train. up? <laughs> I love when you're just like people, there's people's online nicks. Just, oh, it's, it's Steve's train. Well, I hope Steve,
2: Steve's train, I hope I did not offend you. Uh, if you want to hear me accidentally swear sometimes, go in and tune tune into Twitch. Keep an eye on Twitch. Uh, dive Down Shane. Twitch Twitch.tv slash Dive Down Shane. <laughs>
1: the, the, the Dive Down underscore Shane. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, we've been getting back live. We had like a brief hiatus when we were like doing, our schedule was weird and then we were remote, but we are, we are back on this. So come join us. Typically Sunday, sometimes Monday, but you know, you do that little follow thing and then like it notifies you when we go live and I don't just go live randomly. It's once a week. So don't worry. Shane, tell us what's on this week's show. You you did, you and Dave did most of the prep work while I was in ill health. So we are going to be talking about more decks and especially more meta breaking, meta influencing new cards, things from Streets of New Capenna that are making some bigger waves than we thought and pretty much most people thought across all the formats we cover, even some we don't cover. So it's not just sacking things to uh, Mob Nixilus any longer. Mm. We're gonna be taking a look across Modern, across Pioneer, even across Pio Capital and Near Explorer to do maybe the whole dang episode checking out these decks. And you know, we, we if we have some extra time, we have some community submitted decks that they wanted us to check out and talk about. I suspect, my friends, that we don't get to those in I, our in our in our patented dive down fashion where we have an entire third section that just gets thrown out. Well, you know that I did go into a fugue state and write about one particular card.
0: I woke up 5000 words later. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a good thing we asked all of our patrons for for advice on which decks to cover, so that we can just ignore their recommendations.
1: Yeah, it's always the best thing. It's just like, hey, y'all, we don't really know what we're going to cover this week. Oh, yes, we do. We're going to ignore everything you submitted.
2: And if you'd like to to uh, reach out <laughs> to us and be ignored, you can find us at patreon.com/slash the dive down, uh, where as little as one dollar a month can get you access to our definitively
1: discreet Discord server, where we ignore what you say. <laughs> so yeah, we're gonna shred. We're gonna sleeve, believe, heave, maybe, uh, and then look through a couple recent showcase events. We don't just have the modern showcase challenge. I'm spoiling my own breakdown. We're gonna have the pioneer showcase challenge as well. But first, some housekeeping. Stanislav. Shout
0: out to the newest patrons to join the dive down nation. We got Dracon fifty-seven
1: and Friedrich H. Maybe pronounced H. Thank you both. <laughs> H. Thanks for joining, y'all. We also have a new review. From GB Laws, thanks for the feedback. We appreciate it. I also like the headline. Just said, great, GR8,
2: like a good license plate. I just gave the Patreon plug, so we can skip that this week, everybody. But you know where to find
1: us if you want to be ignored. But No, if you no, Dave, I like want to I'm gonna do Mana Traders. I want to do Mana Traders. want to do Mana Traders. Okay, yeah, do mana traders. okay Shane does Mana Traders. ManaTraders.com. We've used this, I think I'm at 17 months is my oh, my thing. Are you it kidding? Has to be longer than that. It has to be longer.
2: Shane, we started using mana traders in november or maybe even october of 2018 i believe we all signed up for it the podcast started in
1: december of 2018 so um you know i mean i had to have been using mana traders but anyway mana traders uh the best place to rent your magic online cards why is it great one extremely fast extremely reliable extremely efficient two free tournament events every month rotating formats many of the ones we cover Including modern and pioneer. If you are a mana trader's member, you get a boatload of more free prizes. You don't have to pay anything to enter, and the tournaments work really well. You don't even have to like use like MTG Melee or anything like that. You don't have to like make any account anywhere else. You just go to the tournament practice room, and it just works. Like it's just like you find the person, you play them, and then it automatically sort of reports the mana Traders somehow. So that works really well. Uh, I like that quite a bit, and. They're uh, good people to work with. They've been reliable for us. So if you want to get 15% off your first two months, use sign-up code Down 2022 and uh, you'll help us out, give us a little kickback, and we
0: appreciate it. So guys, I haven't been keeping an eye on tournament results because I was stuck in bed, going just between the bed and the couch while sleeping through television shows. Tell yep. me, what happened on <laughs> MTGO this weekend? Well, people played Magic
1: the Gathering. cool as usual
0: all right let's take a break and when we return
1: yeah so this week on mitgo as as i call it me and my me and my buddy magic online we will start with the modern showcase challenge as a reminder three times a season i don't know what a season is i think it's like four months a format challenge is replaced by a showcase challenge. Each of these events requires 40 QPs to enter. You can't just throw cash at it. And the top eight finishers from each event earn an invitation token to enter the format's showcase qualifier. So yeah, if you remember, it sounds a little bit backwards. It sounds like the qualifier should should qualify you for the challenge, but it's, it's cool. So we got our top 32 breakdown from, of course, uh, unofficial news correspondent Bamzing. And it looks something like this. Five living end five, is it Murktide, five four-color Elementals, and then we immediately take a big step down to a couple copies of Boros Burn, a couple copies of four-color Blink, and then a bunch of one-ofs, including some things like uh, Azorius Urza Affinity, the four-color Tameshi combo deck, even selesnia Heliod, Dredge Eldrazi Tron. So yeah, we have a lot of Living End here. Do you gentlemen have any other thoughts on this slightly unusual modern metagame? I don't think it's that unusual, to be honest. I mean, we've
2: had cycles recently where Living End suddenly shot up to the the top for a given week, and maybe people just thought it was uh, you know, appropriate to give it a shot this week. I will say I saw a little bit of chatter from people on Twitter over the week that people were starting to cheat on graveyard hate a little bit. People are starting to say, in Murktide, for example, I saw people saying they were 5-0-ing with the list, and they are like, I shaved out Relics. I don't want to play them, really. I'm going to try some other stuff. And maybe that's what made some other group of people think that it was a good time to kind of shove all in with Living End. It does look like it worked out for at least one person, but uh, we'll kind of see where it goes from there. Stan, what what do you think about it?
0: Uh, Yeah, I mean, I think you're kind of right in terms of People were maybe shaving on graveyard hate, and it did the dredge thing that dredge used to do, where it just we'll have a good weekend every once in a while. And I think if more four color decks are becoming elementals builds, that also helps open the door for living in to maybe punish opponents who are playing fewer to fairy time revelers, for instance. Yeah, and more just more
2: creatures, more cr- so they get the wrath part of living in helps a lot too, right? Yeah. Even more yeah, I've than been hearing
1: drawing. some stuff like that. That you know, four color elementals is mm-hmm. sort of quietly becoming one of, if not the most popular deck in the format. And so, Leah Living is a good call there. Of course, I'm a little bit surprised that Is it Murtide continues to maintain its toehold in like the most popular selected deck by most people, because I still haven't seen at least in. The community tournament end of things any evidence that points towards is it murktide being a particularly powerful choice as always it gives you agency and as always it gives you some good cards to play with but it's always seems like it's hovering right around like 50 percent or even less in the you know nrgs and other tournaments where we get uh data from mtg melee i feel like it's ever present in mtgo top eights though I mean, you throw you know, throw enough darts at the wall, one's gonna hit the bullseye. Now yeah, them,
2: I I do think that the move to Murktide suddenly becoming a sub fifty percent deck recently is recent too. It's not for as long as the deck has been around, it's mostly been low fifties in aggregate events, things like that, and then suddenly it went all the way down. You know what I mean? Where you know, suddenly all of a we're getting these tournaments where it's like Murktide only did forty two percent at. Uh, you know, the SCG con last week and those kind of things. I think it might be temporary, might be matchup based, yeah. but um, I, I don't think that there's any time soon that that deck's going to stop being a staple of the format. And in fact, we're going to talk about ways that Murktide is evolving adapting.
1: and adapting soon and shredding. But <laughs> it's shredding, bro. So let's get into this top eight. We have Casa with Living End. Number one, looks like Living End to me. Second place is Azorius. So, real
2: quick on the living end list, a lot of subtleties in this one, including a main deck one, which you don't always see a main deck subtlety, but you definitely see them in the sideboard. That's a card that people have been starting to talk about, again, as being good again. Guess what? I think it's still good.
1: Yeah.
0: It is free. And it really helps solve that Teferi problem, too, because it does tag Planeswalkers.
1: Yes. Right on. Second place, we have Charlie. I know that guy. Uh, They are on Azorius Urza affinity, which this does not seem like it has any particular combos going on, right? This is just a high value Urza deck, right? Just drawing lots of cards, making a lot of mana, casting a lot of spells,
0: and then crushing with Nettlesist. Yeah,
2: yeah. This is you know this is really close to some of the eight cast lists that I messed around with when Kamigawa came out originally, and you know they are not playing the. Springleaf Drum from Kamigawa, which I forget the name of suddenly. But they are playing some interesting cards that I haven't seen too much, namely having Teferi in here, main deck along with Urza, I think is a newer thing, at least over the last couple of weeks. And Ingenious Smith as well as something that I don't think people have seen in these lists quite as much lately. And I think this is one of the highest results for this version of what's
1: essentially Affinity at this point in time. And it looks pretty powerful to me. Yes, why not play quite possibly one of the you know top five Planeswalkers in the format that only costs three mana in your colors. I feel like this deck probably takes a little bit of time to spool up, and then if you can stop the Cascade decks from going off early, especially Footfalls, I think you're probably in a good place. Yeah, although
2: your creatures do get bigger than Footfalls, at least in
1: this case. So Up next, third place, Comic Sands with Four-Color Tameshi Combo. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, the combo is real. I know that we've had you even notable players like Gabe Nassif taking this deck to tournaments and it's not just for the mean value. So if, yeah, if you want to hear us talk about this combo, you talked about it in somewhat recent episodes, we described it, but more or less I can go off with Lotus Bloom and do a lot of good stuff. It's real. New big mana combo. The new Adnaz. I'm saying it now. Oh, wow. Why not? Fourth place is it murktide a snarkus McWax is on is it murktide it looks like is it murktide to me dave you're noticing all the small changes this week do you see anything
0: in this particular list i don't but stan is also super deep on murktide so one of power pyromancer on the side is kind of cool I, I noticed they're moving to magus of the moon instead of blood moon i think that's been happening over a few over the last few weeks
1: probably because yeah of the, the dodge was yeah yeah and boseju good call 5th place we have uh, Living End by RVNG. This was the 8-0 finisher, the only 8-0 finisher I believe based on uh, Bamzing's report. We got the one of Valket Awakening so
0: that if you draw your Living Ends you don't just have to hope you also draw Grief because there are no griefs. Oh that's interesting. Ooh. No griefs, just subtleties. Um and and this is also playing Windcaller Aven so it has an extra cycler.
1: Interesting, no grief. For, for a little for a little extra end game I suppose. All right. Sixth place, we have Tezzy with kind of regular old affinity, or kind of, you know, the frog, the, the mite based affinity. Yeah, this is the, <laughs> the other might. eight cast, the other kind of eight cast. Yeah, exactly. The one with the mites. Or the knights and mites, mites and knights, and uh, Stormjordner's companion, of course. They have, a, they have a companion, but it's not that kind of companion, <laughs> if you know what I'm saying. So
2: Sojourner's Companion actually and Mere Enforcer. I kind of, I did like playing this kind of deck when I was testing the um you know the um Colossal Dreadnought version and all that stuff. I always was uh, amazed with how fast you can play like multiple 44s with this particular build on the really good draws.
0: Like how, how, how fast?
2: I mean, I sent you guys a screenshot at the time when I was playing that deck where I think I had I think I had like two Frogmites and two 44s on turn 2. In one, oh. one game. That seems pretty good. It can be really cracked. The problem is, you, this type of deck, you don't really have like any interaction at all, so you're really yeah. just kind of all in on your plan, and you can't really do much about your opponents.
1: So in 7th place, we have a third copy of Living End. Three of our five mm. pilots made the top eight. Uh, Rula Boren. This one has Grief, but it looks like Living End to me. It has three subtlety in the side, so yeah, stocking up a little bit more on that card, perhaps a normal. 8th place, Boros Burn. Kacharuro. so one thing i liked about this top eight is there's not a lot of like big names that i notice here not a lot of like the mtgo grinders that uh, we talk a lot about when we do these breakdowns but i'm sure some of them i'm sure all these people play a ton but can, i think congratulations to a lot of these folks for making the top eight in this you know big big challenge just
0: goes to show even dave can one
1: day top eight a showcase challenge hmm, doubtful
0: but when, thanks. We, when we see halo bender well, know that we know that guy
1: if you see halo bender give him a shout out
2: say hey what's up if you say halo bender don't be offended if i don't talk back because my chat is closed
1: friends oh yeah i forgot dave never opens the chat he's probably had dozens of people say aren't you dave from the dive down and now they all think i'm a jerk all right any thoughts on this top eight besides dang it's a lot of living end the silence is deafening it's a lot of combo decks
2: I mean, I, I guess the, the biggest thing to me about this is just I saw one person, one of the pilots of the Affinity, I think Charlie, on Twitter was like, this deck is busted. My blue-white Affinity deck is busted. I'm like, could be? Like, I kind of want to go back and give that deck another shot now with this particular build because, um, you know, adding Teferi and Esper Sentinel and Ingenious Smith, I think, is an interesting new dimension on the deck. I do think that the Affinity shell in general is going to be... Is, Powerful enough to be something in modern, so it's good to see some
1: a couple of players getting results out of it. Not sure why now, but... All right, I did notice some cool decks ink for the modern challenge. I saw Kiara Works in 18th place had Feladar Combo featuring Yorian, and we might have time to talk more about this later, but I thought might as well do it now. This is the latest iteration of Felidar Combo, which features the new card, Vivian on the hunt, and so essentially, your Vivian on the Hunt is what, six mana, something like that? It so, is six mana, four colorless green, green. So mildly expensive, but with four mana, a plane bound accomplice, and a Vivian in hand, you can get Vivian in play because a plane bound costs two and a red. Uh, her activated ability costs red. It lets you shove a planeswalker. From your hand, sneak attack a planeswalker from your hand into the battlefield, and then you can do the following in this deck. You activate well, you activate the Plainbound Accomplice, put Vivian into play, then you plus two, you sacrifice the Plainbound Accomplice, get Feldar Guardian, which flickers Vivian. You then re plus your Vivian, sacking the Feldar Guardian, you get Karmic Guide which then allows you to recur your Felidar Guardian back into play, which will then allows you to re-flicker the Vivian. So then you resack the Felidar Guardian, you get Kiki-Jiki the Mirror Breaker, you copy your Karmic Guide, which then allows you to get Felidar Guardian back, and then you flicker your Kiki-Jiki, and you do the Kiki-Jiki things. You get you know, infinite hasty copies of Felidar Guardian with Kiki, and then you kill your opponent, which of course relies on no disruption from your opponent, but... What this deck does interestingly, I think, is that it has a lot of backup plans and just sort of raw value. It has the Sahili combo also built into it. It has Omnath, which does Omnath things with especially with cards like Renin 6. It has Teferi 3 to help try to protect you against interaction on turn four as well. It has a lot of ways to ramp your mana. I think what's interesting about decks like these two is that they're they're eschewing mana dorks more often, and they're just saying, hey, look, uh, cards like Abundant Growth, cards like Utopia Sprawl are just interaction-proof ways for me to ramp my mana. And I think that that's been an interesting thing in modern, I think we've seen over the past year or so, is this adoption of these land enchantments more often than I think we've seen previously. Yeah. One note, Abundant Growth does not ramp you. It just
2: lets you draw, it fixes your mana, it lets you draw a card, right? So It's not ramp, <laughs> just to be to be clear if if it was these decks would be so much better but these decks are already good
0: to that point though abundant growth being a cantrip makes it also a much better top deck in these AD card decks than a mana dork is so it kind of has like better value both in the early game and when you inevitably go late because these decks like take forever to close yeah however i would note this this deck doesn't have abundant
2: growth in it although most of the yorian four-color decks Still a good sure. conversation
0: to have from time Still, to time.
2: Yeah, right now. Bring it up now. Um, <laughs> I do think, you know, these things just play with my heart so much because there have been times in my life when I've really wanted to kiki-jiki some stuff, right? And it keeps coming back. It's sort of like the payoff card that will never die. I really admire that. Um, I don't know if this is the time that it's going to work or not, but there's a, this is another wave where we got another pod s card where everybody is very interested in it. You know, I have had... I had medium success a couple times a couple years ago with Vanifar as a card in a, that is similar to uh, Vivian Vivian on the Hunt index like this. And you know what? Vivian is a lot harder to interact with than Vanifar is, although you do need the Plain Bound Accomplice version of the whole thing in order to make it happen. Um, there is certainly a lot more room for good cards in this deck than there has been in previous versions of this style of thing both because you run 80 cards because of your payoffs and also just because your combo actually takes less cards so you get to run things like solitude you get to do some other stuff
1: as well like shane shane mentioned i don't know if this is the time that it's going to work but maybe i know that friend of the show spider space also had good luck with a very similar if not identical deck so it's a thing i think the thing that really turns me off is that's an 80 card yorian deck which is just not my favorite thing ever to try to pilot for whatever reason. But, you know, could be. It's just This is the kind of thing where it's like, this gets to play, I think, largely better cards than Devoted Druid decks because you still have to play Devoted Druid. And in like a world of interaction that we have around us, Devoted Druid, I think, is just running up a hill, pushing a boulder up a hill, if you will. So trying to tap a boulder up a hill slowly once a
2: turn. I will say I basically have this deck except for Vivian's and Planebound accomplices, and it certainly makes me wonder if I should just get these cards because they're not super <laughs> nah, expensive.
1: Don't do, it. don't do it. Yeah, how's so. Planebound doing? Oh, not expensive. Yeah. I went up though. Yeah, it, it was a ten cent card. Stonks. Stan's like, come on, don't even consider it. He's probably on, right. Dave. All right, I do I want to briefly mention 30th place deck, Bow Matt Courier. That's a really good magic online name, by the way. Uh Thirtieth place, Demir Control slash Reanimator. It's kind of a mix between various cards you would expect in a Demir Control deck, like Fatal Push and Thoughtseize, and Counter Spell and Archmage's Charm and Snapcaster Mage. But then it adds in this Reanimator package of you know Quartet of Archon kind of Cruelty, the Persist, uh, I think a Singleton Arnmark Grave, but also has four Tainted Indulgence. And this was a card that Stan mentioned in our episode, but what I think I think we all kind of whiffed on. Just the part that Tainted Indulgence is just a good looting spell. Like, it's, its fail case is that, or perhaps its primary use in a lot of these decks is, honestly, I'm looting. Like, I'm paying two mana at instant speed, and I can keep up interaction, or if you don't do anything, then I loot something into the graveyard. You've probably seen this card if you're playing an arena in, like, Esper, uh... What's that annoying Grease Fang card? And I think it's seeing use in reanimator shells and things like that. So uh, this is a pretty cool little build. I just wanted to show it for highlighting a new use of Tina's Indulgence.
2: Here's the thing that's sort of surprising to me, I guess, is that how much worse is this deck if it run? Well, let me look at the mana. So these reanimator decks were already trying to run Faithful Mending before, right? And like I know Faithful Mending is draw two discard two, and this is draw two, discard one, right? Is it is it that much better? I guess it's that much better that it makes it enough that people want to try it. Because I have seen a ton of people just trying Tainted Indulgence as discard outlets. But I'm kind of like, Faithful Mending was here the whole time. And you get to flashback it if
1: you want yeah, to. Yeah, that's the thing. The flashback and the life gain is often big game or like just enough to stabilize you against more aggressive decks. I mean, bear in mind that a couple of the top decks
0: in the format are running Blood Moon's. So I think that becomes a problem if you're going three colors just in the first place. I also think that this shell in particular is the most likely to actually draw two cards off of Tainted Indulgence. Because if you think about like your fetches being zero, your Thoughtsies being one, Archon being eight, like all you need is a two-mana spell and then like any other spell to to turn it on. And I feel like this this deck. By running things like Memory Deluge, Shark Typhoon, and and, like your one of Murderous Cut, it's playing some of these spells to help activate Tainted Indulgence some number of times, even if like most of the time you're just using it to get Archon of Cruelty. So you're not like totally reliant on your one of Unmarked Grave as well.
2: Yeah. But also keep in mind the five mana value thing is not a May. And so sometimes you're going to want to discard Archon of Cruelty and you're not going to be able to here, because
0: you're just going to be able to draw... You're just going to have to draw two off of Tainted Indulgence as well. But you have control over what you're putting into your graveyard along the way as well. so you sure, can like but you can guide game, yourself.
2: Can't still be in trouble. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm just curious. I think it's strange. And yeah, I think that we did miss that part in talking about it, that it's just a good discard spell, good, uh, you know, looting-style spell, but um, yeah, weird. Also weird that this deck is sort of conspicuously missing... One particular car that we'll be spending a lot of time on later
1: <laughs> all right let's head into the pioneer showcase challenge uh same deal you know 40 qps to enter all that kind of good stuff and i did the meta game so thanks to shane our news correspondent we've got six winota in the top 32 five is it phoenix three Azorius Control, three Is it Control, three Mactos, man, every time, three Mactos Rid, I mean Rakdos Mid, three Mono Red, two Mono Green Walkers, and then a bunch of one-ofs, including things like banned Spirits, Lotus Field, Fires Transmogrify, uh, Rakdos Sac, Niv Light, Fires Enchantments, and Mono Blue Spirits. Yeah. Interesting breakdown. I mean, Winota was the same in the big event that we looked at last week.
2: Like, far and away... The biggest one in the metagame this time it's closer because of
0: is it phoenix but um yeah are we going to talk about winota the way we talk about living end Let's in do which do sense is
1: yeah. bad it's bad for the game probably probably I bad think for when, the format i
2: think winota is much worse than living end personally I, I don't mind playing against living end in modern winota sometimes it's like come on like
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> winota's just one of those annoying decks that requires you to keep up certain types of interaction and and pioneer is lacking in them more than modern is so you're kind of you'll lose to the rest of the deck a lot more easily than you will kind of a lot of creature combo decks because you're just sort of saying i have to keep holding up this one or two mana spell my noxious grasp that i happen to get or my uh ray of enfeeblement and they can just be like i don't really care like i'm just going to hit you with all these uh Two power creatures, the two tokens off my Esca's Chariot. Esca, yeah. yeah, Chariot is man, what a bonker! I never played Versat in Standard, and what a card! Yeah, what a I, Chariot! I,
0: I had that experience today where I was up against Winota, and I was just holding like Reckless Rages and Redcap Melee's to yeah. to kill it, and then they just played like a Tovalar's Huntmaster. Yes, yeah. like, yeah. that that what I'm supposed to do here?
1: Yeah, that's always what wins. It's just like <laughs> I got to six mana. Here's my here's my Huntmaster.
2: That is a huge difference between what Winota was maybe a year or two ago like the when we first started playing in Pioneer when Winota was here and now is that you know the payoff for Winota used to be what was that card called the like the like Marauders, card. yeah or eight eight mana card that gave everything double strike and now the payoff is just hi I'm going to cast a six drop that makes two two twos as well like that's uh that's a lot it's a lot better of a plan B than the deck used to have
1: yeah in uh in Explorer, they played a card that I've never seen before. It was just like some six drop with hex proof, and like it gave all your other creatures hex proof. And it was just like, hey, I'm amazing. You're never going to beat me on Rakdos mid. All right. So let's head into the top eight. We've got so Fink. hey, okay. Oh, this yep. one was won by Pioneer's <laughs> hottest deck. Am I right? The hottest deck, Fink 64 on mono blue spirits i didn't see anything particularly weird here it looked like a mono blue spirits list very finely tuned there's there's one there's several interesting things here
0: stan yeah you go i mean the sideboard three copies of the
1: best card in magic l dive down (sighs) when was the last time we saw that (laughs) oh man this is the best thing ever first place three (laughs) copies of the dive down on the of the dive down in the sideboard it's it's legendary you, know, you can only have one on the battlefield at a time. Exactly.
0: Yeah. Rumor has it that uh, Fink's dive downs were signed by the hosts of certain Magic the Gathering podcast. A lot of people don't know that we made
2: NFTs of dive downs a while ago and distributed <laughs> them to the the original patrons. Yeah, even though we hold no rights
1: to the art, no, we put our own faces on it. It's just it just says dive it's down. Remix. Yeah. Yeah, it's remix. Yeah, it's a remix culture. Isn't it, It's people have said that aren't there strictly better dive downs at this point? Or not really. I actually think there is not, because
2: the one that people have pointed to a couple of times, it's like you see a guard approach, it does tap a creature or give your creature hexproof. The thing that's good about Dive Down Still is that it buffs the toughness.
0: Yeah. Have you seen this new card from Nuka Penna that's... Flip Out the Back? Yeah. So good. Which I think is another interesting card in this space where it gives you a 1-1 counter and then phases out the creature. I think that card is reasonable, too. I I actually expected to see that,
2: or I'm surprised to see Dive Down on the side here, because the phasing out is a a nice way to get around other spells that Dive Down can't help you with, like a Wrath, for example, if you want to save one creature that has Curious Obsession on it or something like that, but yeah. I
1: like the four witness protection on the sideboard. I don't know if that's, I haven't really noticed that before. This is just one of those blue removal enchantments that actually seems pretty darn good. It just makes the enchanted creature lose all abilities and it becomes just a one-one legitimate business person, green and white citizen card. So that's a good way to take the text and stats off of any card for really efficient price.
2: Yeah, this deck really struggles. I've been playing this a good amount in Explorer. I played a little bit in Pioneer. Generally, this deck struggles with creature interaction, right? Brazen Borrowers, the only thing you really have that can get a troublesome large creature out of the way. So when I saw that someone put Witness Protection, that this person put Witness Protection on their sideboard, it made some sense to me as something that kind of helps bolster problematic creature matchups. The problem is that it doesn't help you with Winoda, like it doesn't help you. It doesn't have instant speed, so you have to sort of weather an attack and then use witness protection. But I think
1: it's uh, useful in a lot of cases still. So it seems like a cool thing to try. Right on. Speaking of Winota, that's what Bulls-O-I, uh was on in second place. Looked like Winota to me. Third place, we have Cherry X Man on Mono Green Walkers. One thing I liked about this is it took me back in time a little bit to when you could play Pelucranos World Eater in your deck and enjoy it. If you have not played since like Theros or Con Standard, uh, Pelucanos is a two green green Hydra, and it has XX green Monstrosity X. And I will forgive you if you don't remember what Monstrosity does. Hmm. It essentially level twos it, and when it level twos, it deals X damage divided as you choose among creatures your opponents control. And each of those creatures deals their damage back to pelucranos but you're so you're frequently using it as a giant way to like pump up your pelucranos or clear the battlefield of a number of smaller creatures so it does good work there if you have tons of mana available to you a third place jesse Samick, on is it phoenix yep and this is the first occurrence i
2: think of a deck that's running ledger Shredder. That we've seen in either one of these events. The future suite and this is for Arclight Phoenix for Ledger Shredder. We will talk a lot more about Ledger Shredder, of course, uh in a little bit. But yeah, here it is. Discard outlet that gets big. That's that's uh doing all the pieces, all the things that Ledger Shredder does. Seems like a good fit for the
1: card. Here's another deck running a card that I have never seen before, and it's from like Ravnica. Uh it's Tablet of the Guilds. It's a two-mana artifact that you get to choose two colors when it ETBs, and whenever you cast a spell, if it's at least one of the chosen colors, you gain one life for each of the chosen colors it's in. So yes, it's a giant dragon's claw for more than just red. Huh. I've seen the art for this card, for sure. It's an interesting piece of tech. Oh, yes. It's like the guild thing you've seen before, like on some playmats and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, I wonder if it's because this deck
1: kind of just struggles against the mono-red burn strategy in particular. I don't really know. Like, it it. Ha- I mean, it does kind of stabilize your life total as you're sort of peeling through your deck, maybe looking through like for, uh, our, like Phoenix to finish things off, or I don't know. I, mean, I, I ran it in the Is It Prowess version of this deck that I'll probably be talking about a little bit later. And I never had any opportunity to bring it in, but I was like, I know exactly when I want to, and I hope yeah. it's really good.
0: Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's cool that it, it, procs off both colors so it's Very just like cool. you say is it and anything you cast is going to like gain you life and because this is such a turbo xerox deck too i feel like it's going to gain you like 10 life easily
1: yeah do you want expressive iteration to be even better have it gain you two life w- wait it it gain each color each color wow that
0: you yeah. chose yeah. it's only
2: it's only your spells is what yeah. we should just point out. So That's it's, it's not it's not your opponent's spells, which is why you're, you have to name Is It every time, but at least you're
1: in charge of your destiny when you do it then. All right, fifth place, Belovo, uh, known MTGO grinder on Azorius Control. Sixth place, we have AFX. Yes, Richard D. James himself on, is it Control? This one has a Hallbreaker Horror, a Singleton Hullbreaker Horror. I don't believe we've seen that before and interestingly there are no main deck uh mizzets
0: so horror is usually in the sideboard and i think you play it main because it can help the winota matchup since it blocks like their huntmasters for starters and then turns all of your you know cheap one mana spells into tempo plays the hard part is just kind of like making sure you're stable enough to to get to that position but Niv like it it, it kind of demands a lot to really be a worthwhile investment in the first place. Cause like you have to get to six mana or seven mana if you want to activate it immediately. It does die kind of quickly, but like, you know, maybe you're two for one on your opponent if they're spending an instant or sorcery to kill it. Right on. I'll also a split of collected
1: defiance and days undoing, one days undoing two collective defiance in this
2: particular build.
1: Sixth place, also known pioneer grinder, Claudio. On five color, uh, Nivtolite doing Claudio things. You know they just love this deck. So
0: yeah, it's it's five color Claudio at this point.
1: Yeah, <laughs> and then eighth place we have Max 09 on Azorius control. So we had seven different decks in our top eight. I think it looks like a pretty good cross section about the what, what the meta is about right now. There's a few decks that I would put up on this list that you know didn't make the top eight that are. You know, big pieces of the game, but yeah, it's a it's a good indication of what's going on.
0: We we tend to gloss over these azorius control decks from time to time, but I want to ask both of you: How much of a beating is playing against these four of wandering <laughs> emperor decks?
1: Like, yeah, the, the that card are, crushes. <laughs> it's so it's really good in pioneer. Like it's yeah. it's it's very high power level, and just it does that thing that control decks I think frequently want, which is just like I'm not just drawing cards. I mean, even though that's usually really great and it's not just like bouncing permanence by minusing, it just, it does a lot of stabilizing the board aggressively and then turning the corner and coming back really fast, which I think is, you know, what you noted, Stan, when we were talking about this card and I think Pioneer's the power level where it can really do that a lot more often even than Modern. Yeah, I I, I, I mean, frankly, I hate playing against that card. No, it's, it's, it's really hard to deal with. Yeah. It's one reason I've been liking Strangle in my red base decks because it can it can handle the Wandering Emperor pretty mm-hmm. easily. So just because of the the loyalty it has when it ETBs.
0: Dave, have you been playing Strangle too?
1: Uh, yeah,
2: not for the same. <clears throat> I actually haven't run into Emperor too much, which is why I haven't. I didn't say anything right there.
0: But yes, it, I think in general, a, though, I, I'm curious. Yeah. Like, do you guys think has Strangle? earned a slot like is one mana sorcery speed three to creature walker has it been worth it
2: i think it's better in red black than it is in blue red personally as far as like a guaranteed a slot to to get in the deck uh just because blue has counter spells that you can lean back on for some of the problematic planeswalker type things but it really depends on wh- how you're building your deck i think but i found Strangle to be totally fine in explorer i think it's totally fine in totally fine in um pioneer Uh, pioneer as well yeah
1: yeah i like it quite a bit um it's it's not one of those cards where i'm still like sold on it in my main deck all the time but i i have liked it i think it's a two of and is it tempo um excuse me not is it tempo The is it prowess deck i've been testing on pioneer and i think it does good work there just you know you always want something to clear the board and there are a lot of three toughness creatures that you want to be able to take care of pretty quickly or like it's just every it's every now and then it's just like, oh, this planeswalker is on 3. I don't have to attack into it. I don't have to like shock it and then swing into it. I can just use the strangle and then go to face with my prowess creature and that those you know that 2 to 3 damage is just a, a huge swing. So, yeah, I do often find that when I have strangle
2: though, I'm like, how can I cash this in for value as fast as possible? I don't find myself holding it a lot and that, you know, different situations are different ways to play your removal but i'm always kind of like let me make sure i kill something with strangle while i still can before i get stuck with it in my hand
1: all right i found a cu- few cool decks inc pioneer edition uh, ninth place right after our top eight frederico imato medio uh, on enigmatic incarnation fires featuring yorian i played against a deck similar to this back at the scg dallas fort worth and what this deck does is lean really hard on Enigmatic Incarnation to cheat things into play. And if you forget what this card is, I do not uh, find that surprising. It's a two green-black enchantment, and it says at the beginning of your end step, you may sacrifice another enchantment. If you do, search your library for a creature card with mana value equal to one plus the sacrificed enchantment's mana value, put that card under the battlefield, and then shuffle. So it recycles your enchantments into creatures, if you so choose, of one mana value or higher, so allows you to tutor them up, and you play a number of cheap value enchantments, like some Omens, like some Chain to the Rocks, Elemental Creatures, and then once you get to your Enigmatic Incarnation, you can ride that up the chain to strong threats like Kenrith the Returned King, or Tosimir, Friend to Wolves, Yarok the Desecrated, and Cavalier of Dawn, and so one of the fun lines that I've seen played against me was like turn four, play your fires, then you play the enigm- enigmatic incarnation, then you immediately at your end step sack the fires to your incarnation to get a five drop, and then you're able to continue using that enigmatic incarnation on later turns t- with other enchantments that you put into play. So it's it's a it's definitely a go over the top style deck that you know, like most fires decks would be, and I think this deck definitely. Definitely looks fun for the people who are winning with it. I'll tell you
2: that. <laughs> yeah, uh, Mana Symbol was pretty into this this deck at different points in time as well, or different versions of this deck, and uh, it's cool to see it doing well.
1: And then eleventh place. This is a really small, pretty cool deck. sync. A three smile on Rakdos mid range, splashing blue for three Nicol Bolas, the Ravager main, and one Scarab God in the side. Why not? If you can, Nicol Bolas is a very good mid range card. And if you don't want to go full Grixis, might as well just splash it, I suppose. So yeah, wow. there's two big events with a lot of people trying to win some cash. And I think we get a good idea of what the competitive metagame is looking at least like right now in, uh, in these two formats. So, you know, of course, we'll keep our eye on what's going on and keep testing ourselves. But I think that there's going to be a lot changing even in the next few weeks as we people keep testing some new cards, some new builds, discover new sources of power in modern Pioneer Explorer, and we're going to talk about those after we take this quick break and come back into the dive down. So stay with us. So, Stanislav, I imagine since you've been under the weather, you've just been wallowing. In your own filth. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look at me. You look I mean, you're always you always look good. You always look good. But uh, I imagine you have not been thinking about partaking of the wonderful products from Barrister Man. No. Unfortunately. It hasn't been top of your mind. Hard to clean yourself when you're just covered in a cold
0: compress all the time. <laughs> I shaved my cheeks. Do my cheeks look all right? Just the cheeks?
2: Just the cheeks, yep. You have to you have to shave like your whole cheek though. I just yeah I shave, you know, all the way from basically my lower eyelid down to my jawline sometimes and I still have a lot of hair. So, we're, we're working through it.
1: I had one of those weekends that one has in Colorado where it's just like I'm going to I'm going to wake up, I'm going to do have a little breakfast, we're going to go do a hike and then come back and then because it's spring, it's like I oh, got to get the yard ready for the summer. Got to redo some mulch, got to get rid of some weeds. And then like, you know, you take that shower after all that, and you're like, oh man, I'm gonna take care of my body and do the shower, do the shave, enjoy the the barrister and man. We had some Mother's Day time with my mother-in-law who lives here as well. You know, got myself looking good for for the the lunch and museum trip. And I I just love rotating through all the different barrister and man products that I have. And what's cool is like you can you can mix and match a lot. Like I have, uh, you know, of course the Seville beard oil, but I have like the smoked orange uh, aftershave balm. I have the waves balm. I have like three different shaving soaps, and a lot of them just smell good together in different ways. Like I love the the Passa Flora plus smoked orange combo is a good one. I like to bust that one out now and then. Uh, the double waves is a classic combo. So uh, that's one of the things I really like about. The sort of fragrance family that Will's created over at Barrister and Man is that they're they're all good and they're all complementary in different ways, and they have kind of like they have characteristics that go between them, and then they're also completely unique because they're novel creations. And uh, that's one of the things I'm, I'm looking forward to, even getting some new stuff on the way, because that's just going to add to my fragrance library, make some new scent of the days. So if you want to get in. Get your library card to this fragrance library. Get your ticket to smelling good, feeling good, having some cool stuff in your medicine cabinet underneath the sink. I don't know where you keep that stuff, but uh, you can go over to Barrister and man, M a use coupon code, the dive down 2022. You get see 15% off your first order. I know we've seen some, uh, some glamor shots of people getting their first big Barrister and man orders. I know uh, stalwart, Jason just got a dope-looking new order that made me jealous. And if you want to be you know, part of the Barrister Man family, we appreciate it. Uh, Will over at Barrister and Man appreciates, appreciates that as well. So thanks so much.
2: All right. Like we said earlier, for this part of the show, we're going to take a look through all of our formats – and look at some additional new developments, new decks caused by the launch of Streets of New Capenna. You know, we just talked about some Cool Decks, ink associated with the two uh, showcase challenges that we looked at. I think really, this is just kind of another Cool Decks, ink, a longer Cool Decks, ink section. Because there's actually been a whole bunch of stuff that uh, continued to develop over the last week that maybe we didn't see in week one of this new format's. So we're going to talk about them. Talk about new cards, notable tweaks. We might grade some of them if we're feeling into it. We're going to organize by format. Except we need to start with one thing that blew everybody's mind, that made a bigger splash than we all thought, and made me want to ask you two one question. Yeah. And that question is: Do you even shred, bros?
0: <laughs>
1: like, like that kind of shred? Yeah, it's like that
2: scene in the firm where they send uh, they send Holly Hunter down to the Bahamas and she shreds all the stuff. Yeah,
1: remember? Uh, <laughs> remember that? I, I keep thinking of like Tilda Swinton and Michael Clayton. She's got to take care of a lot of documents. Oh, that's a that's another good lawyer movie. Anybody got any
2: other good lawyer movies they like? The Devil's Advocate. That's <laughs> <laughs> good. Maybe the uh, first yeah. rated R movie I ever saw. I, yeah, that's Maybe. that's hilarious. If that's Maybe. true. Maybe. <laughs> but it's it's Shredder time. That's right. We can't talk about what happened in Magic this week without discussing the absolute furor, the frothing furor that happened <laughs> towards the end of the first week of May around the
0: card Ledger Shredder. Where were you two when you personally found out that Ledger Shredder was just the hottest thing in town? A $9 week? card?
2: Uh, well, I was mostly upset that I had just tried to buy some the day before for my
1: lgs and they were sold out and then yeah that happened mm-hmm. i was working and thankfully paying attention to discord because i think mickey s pointing me to a store that still had some in stock and i took my money but i don't know if i'm getting these cards yet so, so we'll find wow. out i mean it's like one of those stores where it's like how good is this inventory management system? Like, do they just take my money and eventually they'll show up? I mean, that's probably good enough, honestly, for how little I'm actually getting to paper stores right now. Yeah. I love to tell my story. And and this
0: is not Stan tooting his own horn, but more about like the benefits of me paying attention to stuff for the dive down and then just trying random stuff. Where the first time I like caught a whiff of Shredder was when it was in a Pioneer prelim result that I think went like, three one in phoenix and i said "Ooh, that's interesting i should try this because of the dive down and i did and it was good <laughs> and then i played against it and my opponent used it to very good measure so i checked my lgs and this was the day before it popped and i got my set at a buck 50 a piece oh. and they had five and i bought four and it, now i'm just like kicking myself for not just buying the five and okay, that's
1: one person who got another one stan
0: Th- that's what i'm thinking although i'm i assume that by the time that other person got wind of it they were already expensive but still
2: yeah i do know the first couple of deck lists that i saw that had it headed in it, and one was from aspiring spike who had said that he was going to try grix's death shadow with ledger Strider, and then uh played it in the challenge of- too yeah, that was a couple of days later and I actually watched that a lot of the challenge while I was playing the same deck. We'll talk about that a little bit later. And then I also saw uh, Jesse Robkin, who is a member of the Nation, rising MTGO writer player, Chicago local, had posted a 50 that she got with blue red tempo flyers in pioneer featuring Ledger Shredder and Lofty Denial in a kind of tempo y flyer shell. Um, you know, I think that those were the first people that made me go, "Oh, I should pay attention to this card again." And you know, reports quickly popped up after that of the deck being played in basically every format, up to and including Legacy. Honestly, and I think someone told me that people are playing it in Vintage as well, which I don't know if that's true, but hmm. yeah.
0: I mean, they Couldn't do have verify. more good zero mana spells, so
2: yeah, can be cast off of a lot of lotus. So yeah, and like you said, after that we had a bona fide Magic paper card buyout on thursday of last week i guess maybe wednesday of last week where suddenly the card. oh it was tuesday tuesday it was a two dollar card and then according to goldfish on wednesday it was everything where it was sold out and it cost ten dollars on yeah, goldfish as well rare. so it went for one day it went from two dollars to ten dollars according to the tcg player data it's been years since i think we've seen a paper card buyout which is pretty in a standard paper card buyout in particular
1: yeah i mean not much especially where it's like sure you might see like Cavalier of Thorns go from like 12 to 18 or something like that. And that's like, oh, dang, I wish I would have got my play set at, at 10 or something like that. But this is this is a five up. So it's quite a big deal. Yeah. So
2: it's showing up in tempo, it's showing up in combo, it's showing up in whatever Phoenix is, is it's showing up in all over the place. So I, I think we should talk about that card for a minute. So let's start with reading it. I'm sure everybody knows what it is. But in case you haven't looked lately, here's what it does. Ledger Shredder. It costs a generic and a blue for a creature bird advisor with flying. And it just says whenever a player casts their second spell each turn, ledger shredder connives. And what that means is draw a card, then discard a card. If you discard a non-land card, put a plus one plus one counter on this creature. And it is a one three. That's all it is.
1: seems innocuous. It doesn't even sound that good. Yeah. It's, yeah. Is this
0: going to be the episode where we reveal that we don't even think it's that good? (laughs)
2: <laughs> mm. Depends on you, I guess, because I'm certainly not going to say that, but I do think I, I'm really annoyed that this is not a card that we talked about during spoiler season. I feel like it, it's like, should have, should have seen it, should have talked about it, you know, but a one, three flyer for two is not even draft playable most times. And really all this one is, is a one, three pl- flyer for two with a set mechanic attached yeah. to it.
1: Uh, honestly, I think that's why we probably ignored it. Cause it's just like, oh, it has connive. It can't be good. Connive's not right? good we need to stop doing that
2: because connive is totally fine. Yeah, And I think that we should talk about all the stuff that makes Ledger Shredder good, just so people who maybe were underwhelmed when they first read it can also see why. So let's go through big picture point by point. And I wrote out a little outline here. Welcome to hear new points, but I'm going to take us through a journey on why a card like Ledger Shredder is good in so many different formats. And the first thing is it rewards you for doing something that you always want to do anyway for no mana, which is cast more than one spell per turn, and that's what the connive mechanic does, but looting for free when you're already doing something you like
1: doing is great. and I think it's just the tip of the iceberg here, but it's really the place to start. Yeah, it's a good point. Right? It's just it just fundamentally works with what you're already doing you're not you're not stretching yourself. To do anything weird. You're playing a creature and trying to do what your deck is already designed to do. Yeah.
2: <clears throat> the thing that I think most people didn't realize about connive and about ledger shredder in particular is that it doesn't only count when you cast spells. It counts when your opponent casts spells as well. So it also rewards you for when your opponent does something that they generally want to do a lot, which is everybody wants to cast more than one spell a turn. It's fundamental to getting ahead on tempo in magic. You know, that's why cards with lower mana values are better. And suddenly ledger shredder is a card that rewards you on both halves of that equation. If your opponent is trying to get ahead, suddenly you get better card quality. and Your creature grows. If you're trying to get ahead, you get better card quality and your creature grows. Seems like a win-win. Agreed. Where were you when you
0: realized that that was how ledger, Shred- ledger shredder worked? When someone told me, <laughs> yeah, I was I was laying in bed playing an, a, a pioneer league, and I had a ledger shredder out, and suddenly it was growing on my opponent's turn. And you were like, "This is a bug. I need to yeah, tell somebody." Yeah, I, was like, <laughs> I-, I have to report this. I have to get my PPS back. You-, you know what I what I think about this fact about the card? Like, I don't think that's an oversight. I think this is where they pushed it for maybe like con- some type of constructed play. With maybe, like, in the back of their head, they're like, if that becomes a problem, we'll just fix it in Alchemy.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, I think, I'm going to go out on a limb here. I don't think this card is a problem. I don't think, this this, this is one of those things where it's like, it's not a problematic card. It's just very high value. Because, like Dave said, not only are you doing what you want, but if your opponent is playing any sort of low CMC deck, which in most formats they Probably are, then you're getting value off of it too. What's good is like it's not even just growing, which is good enough. It's like you're you're looting on their turn, which can be super, you know, valuable for digging to the cards that you want. So it's win-win. Yeah, and I
2: think it's worth stopping here for a second just to be really clear that part of the reason I think we missed this is it, it likes Shane said, because of connive, right? And we didn't really think about the condition that was triggering Knive on this particular card, because Knive is not it's it's a keyword reminder text ability I think right is what they they say it's not like a keyword it's a maybe it is a keyword because of the way yeah it's no Can I've always
0: does the same thing it just triggers under different circumstances right
2: which when you look at a whole list and you're like God this card Can I use for this and this card Can I use for that and this one and then you get to Ledger writer and you're like okay another one that Can I use for like a random thing it does make it a little hard to to follow the potential. But that's that's the thing that makes the whole difference is that this one's connive condition is so much better, I think, than everybody than any any other cards. It's
1: almost like those weird like adventures in the forgotten realms things where just like, here's a randomly named ability. this <laughs> has the the same name does the same thing, but just the triggering effect is just different for everyone. so you it does if we ever see this again or you all out there in the nation ever see it again, just like pay attention to what the trigger ability is because when it's something like, I want to cast a second spell (laughs) yeah, and I get to loot and grow my flyer. It seems pretty good. Yeah. I have to, I, when
2: I cast a second spell and it doesn't cost anything. Now there was a whole bunch of cards in battle for Zendikar. I think that also triggered off of the second time you cast a spell in a given turn, but it was only you. So I think the big thing here is you got to pay attention to um, the fact that it's both players. <clears throat> but anyway, enough of why we missed it. The the third the third thing that I think makes Ledger Shrouder really good is that as much as I said that a two mana one three flyer is not really a great rate and sometimes you don't play it in draft even, it's actually a really good rate because it has upside. It's it's literally just a creature that is generally vanilla for the cost that you're paying, and then it has a decent a really powerful mechanic on it on top of that. And the big thing of this, of course, is the body that comes with Ledger Shredder. A 1-3 is extremely relevant in a number of the different formats that we play because in Pioneer, it's mostly out of the range of red removal. It does things in in modern, like block Ragavan uh, right out the gate, which is good. It doesn't die to an undeliriumed unholy heat. So there, there are lots of common removal spells that actually have a hard time dealing with Ledger Shredder early in the game which help you be able to concentrate on protecting it if you want to later in the game with against the relevant removal spells.
1: Yeah, it's it's really good because like you said, there's not a lot of especially instant speed interaction that does 3 damage early on in pioneer and explorer especially. And then if you, let's say, play it on turn three and then keep up some mana, you can even do things to grow it out of strangle range or something like that because it has the the three toughness to start with and get up to four at instant speed. Yeah.
2: And that takes us to the next point, I think, which is that it gets huge. I, I, I don't think I can overstate how often in these formats you can connive lots of times and your opponents make you connive lots of times especially as the formats get older and spells get more mana efficient. So I played with Shredder in Explorer, Pioneer, and in Modern over the last week. And it's, you know, I save Modern for last. And really you it's not uncommon to see letter shredders that are five sevens, four sixes, six eights. I've seen huge, huge ones. And I really feel like, you know, it's even bigger in games where people don't have access to black removal to draw into or where your counter spells are doing their jobs. It's really kind of like Tarmogoyf, I think, sometimes, in the sense that it Dave. has really good value for the cards that you. Uh, it, it gets really huge based on something uh, a payoff that's
1: really simple to achieve. I mean, I'll also say the same thing here, which is, Sprite Dragon does this, and I, you know, I, I find Sprite Dragon fine. It's very different. I. It's really, really different. <laughs> what Sprite yeah. Dragon does and yeah. what this no, does. No, well, hold on. Uh, if we're talking about getting huge. Sprite Dragon yeah. gets huge for doing what your deck wants to do, right? I mean, of course I'm not saying that this the Sprite Dragon is comparable to this because of all the other aspects that we're, we're listing off here, but I think that in terms of the, the getting huge thing, that's just good because it's a better Sprite Dragon effect, which is a card that you play in a lot of, you know, is it based aggressive or tempo-y style decks because you're doing what you want and you get a big flyer out of it, and this does the same thing uh, on your opponent's turn as well, and does more for you. There's a, you know, a few more points we have coming up.
0: Yeah. So I, I'd actually like to just spend a little extra time on this point because is every two drop Tarmogoyf like is that is that I, the Tarmogoyf comparison is a little specious to me because I almost see this as like a fixed standard friendly Dragon Rage channeler because the thing that to me is good about this card is not its growth rate. But it's filterability more than anything. Like I just like that it kind of sits there and generates value, even if it stays as a one-three. Well, now are getting us into the next point. True. Looting is very good. Well, well, okay. <laughs> That's okay. the point. Yeah. But 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 I I guess the thing that I didn't say is like my shredders are good even though they're not always getting huge because like sometimes it's like turn four or five and I'm just like ditching like my stupid Spire Bluff canals or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, that's where I like realized I was most impressed with it. Where it's just like, it's just keeping my hand full of action and getting rid of like really dead draws. And the only times I'm actually like growing it is if I'm like dodging bad removal spells against control decks or like extra cantrips when like that's just air anyway and i'd rather take
1: the point of tu- point of uh power over like a little velocity you know i think the reason that people and and dave would do this here is compare a two drop to tarmogoyf is because it, tarmogoyf is good because it's a two drop that gets huge for doing what you want to be doing which is you know playing different types of spells filling your graveyard removing your creatures you know removing your opponent's creatures playing fetch lands things like that this does the same thing but like you're saying Stan is like it's better than Tarmogoyf probably in a lot more decks because it does more right it can it filters your hand it makes your opponent not want to do certain things sometimes like anytime you you can get you can live in your opponent's head rent free and like just disrupt what they're thinking about doing because of an, a triggered ability you have, that's really good. Uh, and that you know, of course, that might happen randomly now and then with Tarmogoyf, but not typically. And so I think that I understand where Dave's coming from, but I also definitely hear what you're saying, which is like we're beyond the era of Goyf, right, as being like a
2: benchmark. Yeah. Well, I think there's a lot of people who are kind of like you can't say it's as good as Tarmogoyf. I, we don't have to go on for this forever, you know what I mean. But, but like, we should. I, all I'm trying to say here is that this is a threat that can close a game out by itself, be, and you shouldn't discount that i that idea. And I definitely have won games by making this big enough to just win and protect it. It depends on what deck you're playing it in. Mm-hmm. But this is this is a card that can and should be used in a plan to get to in certain decks that it can close a game by itself it you know it's a it's a four four power flyer you can close out games pretty fast like that if you're in a medium control deck or a, a mid-range deck that's a that's in a controlling kind of position in a game it's its ability to attack
0: is not a joke i i guess i just feel like making it big is the hardest part of using this card because i i seldom want to get rid of good cards to it when I can just get rid of bad cards. And usually the bad cards are extra lands. So here's what I would say. I think you should look deep in yourself. Get rid of good cards more. And get rid of good cards
2: more often. And I think we can talk about it a little bit more in the next section, which is the next thing that I think about this card, of course, is that looting itself as an ability is very, very good, like Stan is trying to say, especially when you do not have to pay mana for it, right? I you know, I think people forget all the time that looting can be good on its own and people can get bent out of shape with the fact that Shredder only grows when you discard a non-land card. Look, it's right there in the notes, Stan. It's always your choice for what you want to do. Do you want are you in a game plan where Shredder should be your closer? It's possible. Are you in a game plan where it should be your filter? That's also possible. You can. I, I don't mind the comparison to Dragon's Rage Channeler saying that it's a fixed Dragon Rage Channel. I think that's totally fair. I think the fact is Channeler is plenty good to close a game out on its own in certain deck plans as well. Ledger Shredder is is too, and I think even in more game plans in some decks, because it can get bigger on its own if you want it if you need it to for some reason,
1: yeah. One of the things that I think a lot more about going back to one of our recent episodes, Dan, where it's like do some math, right? And I think about is like this consider worth two, three damage if my car, if I pitch this and I grow my card and my shredder hits for one damage more this turn, hits for one damage more the next turn, one damage more the turn after that. That's three more damage I got out of a consider, and you can then you can be like, well, um, this consider could be anything. Even a lightning bolt. <laughs> yeah,
2: exactly. Yeah, I can. I. It's interesting. The first couple times I play, and this is this isn't a blanket heuristic that you can apply to playing this card, but I did find myself originally being like, I'm going to get rid of lands, mm-hmm. okay. Mm-hmm. And then later on, I started to be like, Oh, I drew an opt off of Ledger Shredder. I don't. I'm not going to play my opt or consider. I'm just going to ditch cantrips because yeah. I'm at a part of the game where I don't care about cantrips anymore. I'm trying to do other stuff. I want my mana to do other things potentially, like. So it's, it's more complex than that. I do think one thing, hopefully, people understand with looting, too, there's no downside to looting when you only have a, one good card in your hand, let's say, and you're like, well, I don't want to draw another good card and have to discard one of my good cards. That is a really bad... Fallacy in your thinking about logical fallacy and magic. If you want to go back to like episode um, one, of yeah, the episode one is it's part of episode one that we talked with Stan where he was thinking about thought scouring good <laughs> cards and whether that was a good thing or not. But even more, uh, so one of the original episodes that I remember of limited resources from you know God thirteen years ago or however long ago now is where Brian Spain and Marshall invented something called the looting game. And basically, they were trying to explain to people: you should always loot, always loot with a card like Merfolk Looter, because you know the namesake of the of the looting ability, by the way. Because if you imagine that your deck is just filled with numbers, okay, uh, cards that have numbers values on them, they go from one to a hundred every turn. If you ha- if even if you had an eighty in your hand, you should still loot and see what else you get, because. There's no downside to it. And especially when you're playing in modern where you're trying to get to delirium or who knows, you're trying to fill your yard for a delve spell. There is no oh, reason yeah. to, not, to not keep, keep going <laughs> with ledger mm-hmm. shredder. Your hand can always be better, you know, and you can all, you can always find an option that's more creative that you weren't anticipating. Uh, and then of course, when you pair this with, you know, the decks that I, I was playing it in at towards the end here, where I was playing it in modern with things like dragon's rage channeler and Mishra's bauble, the card selection is absurd when you get together with Dragon's Race Channeler here too, because suddenly you're going, well, surveil first, like, let me have arrange my stack. So that surveil trigger, you know, I resolve that first. I get to see what it is. Then I get to see what I draw with ledger shredder. Then I have information. Maybe I get to draw into an answer. You can do the same sort of thing with Mishra's Bobble. So it gives you another way to turn Mishra's Bobble into an awkward opt. It's, it's really, really good. <laughs> like looting is extremely good here. And then lastly, it fills the graveyard. Well,
1: yeah, like you said, doesn't I mean that, that's yeah. and what, it's what you want to do. I, I tell you, I tell you what, uh, you know what's good in Pioneer casting treasure crews? <laughs> it's, it's really good. It's uh, it's it's too good probably, but for now, I'm gonna keep casting them. You know, this conversation's just kind of got me thinking that the looting decisions
0: you have to make, and this is gonna sound absurdly obvious, but I think there's a lot to digest. Is like it, it's matchup up dependent. Right, Like it's again, thinking about what your opponents are doing and, and trying to understand like what are going to be the best cards in their hand and how they interact with the best cards in your hand or on the board. And I feel like there are some games where actually looting away action is a liability because your opponent can have fatal push. And sometimes it's more important to be able to like draw out all of their interaction with things like shredder or other cheap threats so that eventually you land the one that sticks rather than like over-investing in a single resource only to like lose it without really gaining that much value for sure and and here's the other thing you know you made a point about cantrips which i think is actually maybe a point of tension i feel like shredder finds itself lately has been finding itself in decks that want to cast cantrips because it either a wants to cast two spells in a turn or it's surrounded by other creatures that care about the spells that you're casting. Be it like Phoenix, Sprite, dragon, dragon, horde, two drop, arcanist. I don't remember. Yeah, what Dread horde. Thank <laughs> you. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, that's kind of the other calculus that you then have to do is like, if I'm not actually getting rid of my opt here to get an extra point of power, like, is that op going to generate value with something else that's in my hand, or am I just kind of playing the what-if game?
1: Yeah. I mean, that's what's good about Modern. That's what's good about Magic, is you get to make these kind of decisions and think about different opportunity costs and lines and, like, what's the best value here? Is this the kind of deck that's showing me that they're going to have damage-based removal and I want to grow this out of that? Or they, you know, right. are they a black-based deck that I don't want to overinvest? And that's the kind of thing that makes this game really great is that there's just so many different matchups and ways to play the cards that you draw and that you think you can draw too and yeah and there's so many different ways to slice it you know you so what
2: what this all all adds up is just a card that is useful to so many different types of decks because the mechanics that are on it engage with so many different game plans and magic right it can be a cheap tempo threat that grows just a little bit for you. It can become a huge threat if you want it to, for some reason in a scenario that you're in. It helps your overall card quality as you're going through your game and through your deck whenever you cast more than one spell. It can be a combo enabler for decks that, you know, in graveyard decks. The huge thing that it does as well is it's also a payoff that fits into these graveyard decks that is not reliant on the graveyard to win. And that's something that I think does separate it from Ra- uh, Dragon's Race Channeler or something like that. Not that, you know, DRC is a great card. Not trying to say it's not a great card. You know, Tarmogos is a good card. Not trying to say it's not. But what happens in these decks sometimes is, you know, if you think about Murktide, people commonly bring in cards that attack your graveyard in Merktide because they want to make your Unholy Heats bad. They want to make it hard for you to delve into a murktide. They want to make Dragon's Race Channel or worse, right? Because they get, rid of, get you off of Delirium. Your game plan is less powerful. If you have something like Ledger Shredder in there as well, you have a threat that still enables all those strategies with those good cards. But if they attack your graveyard, your Ledger Shredder still might be huge. And so that's, that's something that I think bolsters game plans like that as well. And you'll see that repeated in lots of different decks. It's not just Murktide. It's not just Modern. It's not just Delirium. There are a lot of things that engage in that kind of way.
1: So, Dave, you've, you've convinced me. I'll, I'll give <laughs> this Ledger Shredder a try. Do you want to start talking to me about some of the decks that we have seen Ledger Shredder appear in? Yeah. There's a lot. Let's talk about Pioneer and Explorer first.
2: Yeah, why not? The people's favorite. Why don't we... Can we talk about Phoenix first since it's where Stan started? Now, there's a zillion, there's three different red-blue decks that I think we, we all tried it out yeah. in uh, Pioneer/slash Explorer, but why don't we start start with Phoenix as an homage to episode one of the dive down below those many years ago?
1: <laughs> yeah, Stan, how, yeah, have you, so, how have you been playing with this? So, um,. I mean,
0: I only tried it in Phoenix during that one introductory session, but it mm-hmm. essentially just replaced Thing in the Ice and relegated Thing in the Ice to the sideboard. Interesting. It is. It is interesting. Um, because, you know, on the one hand, like, Thing in the Ice in Phoenix can sometimes be, like, a little iffy if you're playing a late Thing in the Ice or you have, like, a turn two Thing in the Ice and then you manage to to flip birds before you flip Awoken Horror, mm-hmm. where this is a little bit more of and on all in on the one plan of just like let's fill the graveyard as quickly as possible. Let's cycle through as many spells as possible, and then try to get birds out and then attack with a bunch of flyers without you know necessarily relying on Awoken Horror. Mm-hmm. I don't know if this helps solve some of the problems that Awoken Horror does because you know that what is it, Cyclonic Rift effect is like part of what makes things the ice so powerful, especially in a format that's like full of Mono Green and, and Winota that will sometimes just take over the board. But I think this also lets you be a little bit more kind of like evasive with your threats so that even if you do have to eat a fatal push or like your bird takes a flame-blessed bolt, you still have other evasive threats that can potentially close out the game while you're just like ditching excess cantrips to mm-hmm. to grow the, the shredder. Yeah, it's interesting
2: to me that it didn't end up running all three of those cards at once. I guess if they, if thing in the ice has such bad tension with, you know, you don't want to flip it after you've put a bunch of counters on Ledger Shredder, then you just kind of have to swap it out. But, um, right. Yeah. Phoenix with only eight threats is super, super interesting to me. But I've certainly been on the receiving end of here come, here come, you know, it looks like my deck isn't working. And then suddenly I cast Galvatic inter- Iteration into Temporal Trespass and then I kill you with a bunch of Phoenixes. Like it, it works.
0: Yeah. So. I mean, it, it's eight. A- with an asterisk because you have so much velocity like you're playing eight one mana cantrips you're like also maybe playing like an is a charm or some other stuff to to just draw through your deck that you're you're finding something sooner than later yeah
2: well i'll I'll talk quickly about the deck that i played to here which is the blue red flyers deck that jesse who i mentioned earlier had kind of had five o'd with at the beginning of the week a lot of people tried it out earlier in the week it's really a flyers tempo deck it's basically the same spells with some not not the same spells as uh phoenix but you know it has what you'd expect in a in a blue red deck it's ops and and it's considers and your expressive iteration it's got sprite dragon and burn spells it's got lofty denial because of all the flyers in the deck and then of course it actually has terramander as well which i think can be an interesting threat which is another kind of graveyard payoff for all of your your shredding that you do all the cards that you put into the graveyard and then terramander becomes one mana to, to make bigger you have counter spells to protect it and it just kind of goes from there
1: yes terramander weirdly much better later than early like mm-hmm. a terramander and terramander in your opening hand is usually just like I don't want this card cuz it's going yeah. die <laughs> unless you have lofty denial too
0: like it, it's almost like this four card combo of like terramander lofty denial and two lands yeah then you can like almost do
1: a spirits impression i played a really similar version to this deck an explorer version of this deck that i saw someone else make and they said that they had good results with it and of course it does it loses the the delve spells of dig through time or treasure cruise if you want to play that so it looked like it kind of was shoring up sort of the the interactive tempo nature had a couple spell pierce main deck and in addition to the lofty denial and things like that so dave what do you think about this deck in particular and how is able to leverage ledger shredder
2: i mean i thought that the plan made a ton of sense i don't i'm not surprised that people have done well with it and that jesse got a 50 with it or anything like that i just don't i i would like a deck with a little bit more proactive yes threats in it because like you said, Terramander is kind of rough early in the game. Uh, sprite Dragon Dragon's sometimes hard to build, uh, but I do think it's a good take on the deck, especially if you like playing a spiritsy style, you know, Flyers plus, plus Counterspell deck, I think it can get there fine. However, I like the list that you tried out quite a bit, which was more of a prowess yeah. kind of build that had Soulscar made. You know, this
1: is much closer to my my heart. I didn't get to try it, but how how was this for you? Well, I want to go back just quickly. Sorry, Dave, to the lofty denial flyers concept. And Stan mentioned this in Discord today, and I was thinking the exact same thing, which is like, I don't really want to be holding spells in my hands to react to what my opponent's doing. At least main deck. Like I understand, like the classic is it pivot to a more controlling deck so that you can just out uh, tempo and kind of just outvalue your opponent as they try to remove your threats as they grow. And then you counter anything that's really important that they try to do against you. But main deck, I feel like I just want more ways to burn out my opponent to interact with the board to have, I mean, the, the threat density here is, is pretty good.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think that's fine. I just think it's a different style of deck. Right. Sure. Like, I, I think that this is much more akin, like I said, to a spirits tempo kind of deck.
0: And if,
1: but why not? You know, just play it's spirits? even close.
0: Well, well, and also, what Shane's saying is like, you can build this deck to do both and be proactive first and then pivot into a more tempo controlled plan afterwards based on what your opponents are going to do
1: against you. Like, I feel like it's just not using the card as strongly as other decks are which is just like I don't want to be using two mana like mana league style things in my card that wants me to be churning through my deck and I understand what you're saying like Stan was saying earlier which is just like look it doesn't always need to be this gigantic huge creature but that's what gets us the maximum value out of playing it otherwise we could be using other threats we could just be playing mono blue spirits or something like that
2: I think it's a fine way to take Ledger Shredder, right? I don't think that playing Ledger Shredders with counterspells is a misfit. Definitely don't think that after playing it that way in in modern, too. I guess all the decks I played with Ledger Shredder really were more of this style, where it's like, I got some counterspells, I got some removal, I got some card draw. I think really this is a shell that lets you put Ledger Shredder with expressive iteration Mm -hmm. in a counter. Counter, that's, counter style deck. That's what all these are, right? That's the
0: real Splinter Twin <laughs> situation here,
2: <laughs> right? And th- and that's good. But I I really don't think that's like a. That's not I I wouldn't think I wouldn't think it's of that as bad a deck design. at all. Like I don't think so at all. Yeah. Like I, I think that this is a. It's a. There. This is one of those things where it's like this card goes in so many different decks that people are going to try it in all these different ways. And so we've already it's like Stan talked about a com- what's essentially a combo tempo deck. I'm talking about a straight up tempo deck that has disruption you know spell-based disruption you're about to talk about a deck yeah, that's the, the full on aggro. yeah this deck rules you know uh, <laughs> and <laughs> I,
1: I think it's just this card fits everywhere uh i saw this deck get posted by uh was it like andy awkward or something like that what's that what's that person's yeah. name um, i think that was the screen name yeah and it is is it prowess in Pioneer, so it gets to do the is a prowess things of consider out Swiss beer play with fire soulscar mage. This one has sprite dragons, expressive iteration of course, ledger shredder. It has a couple strangle and an interesting addition here, of course, for treasure cruise, but for reckless rage, which is something that we've seen play in different kind of prowessy style, uh, feathery style decks, where it's like, hey, if I target my creature, it's growing anyway. Mm-hmm. So I don't care. I'm just going to basically have my own little version of Unholy Heat in my yeah. in my Pioneer deck.
0: Yeah, the thing with, with Reckless Rage and a 1-2 Prowess creature is that as soon as you cast the Rage, it triggers Prowess so that it doesn't kill your Swift Spear, but it's yeah. dealing 4 to whatever opponent's creature I mean, is. You can also target Ledger Shredder. True. Yes, so exactly.
2: 12 of your cards do it it's yep. sprite dragon's really the only one that doesn't do it out the yep. box and really only need one token on it to be able to make it work yeah otherwise it's extremely so.
1: reliable like the the only yeah. real issue is that you have to have a creature to target of your own so it, it can be just a blank piece of cardboard if you don't have anything on your own board yeah i i love reckless
2: rage i played it a lot in feather style decks when pioneer first came around but it is it is a high variance <laughs> card because the other problem with it is if you queue into something that so it doesn't have the clause that says you can target a planeswalker with it either yeah, right. right so it's not like you can you can save yourself by killing Karn with it there are plenty of matchups where this card is just like Bleh, but I also think it's kind of a necessary evil in a format where you're going to run into Winota a lot so I think it makes a ton of sense in in this deck.
0: Dave, what if I told you that this deck also has a, a a safety valve, so that if you draw a dead reckless rage, you can just like pitch it and get an <laughs> extra point of damage on oh. it. Oh,
2: and, and that's a huge thing that that of course red white, you know those heroic decks didn't have, feather decks didn't have access to is that sometimes you would get reckless rage and it would just sit there the whole game. Now, you know now you can just discard it and move on, which is fantastic. So
1: this deck is I think quite good. Uh, I think there's, I mean, which is weird for me to say, uh, you know, I notably, I think one of the reasons that makes it a little bit better is that, I mean, while Fatal Push hits every threat in this deck, there are such a large number of threats that one of the things that I experience in playing Rakdos midrange is I run out of removal and you could say, Shane, why don't you just wait and only take care of the important things? There's a couple of reasons for that. Is that there's the deck like this has a large number of important things that if you don't deal with them, they're going to do quite a bit of damage to you. Like you say, well, oh, okay, I'm going to play my uh, Bone Crusher Giant on three mana, and then that's going to stonewall them. Well, then they just strangle it. Or you know, they they or they play with fire with a soulscar mage out, and then it makes your blocker insignificant and unable to do what you were hoping it's going to do. The, the deck is designed, or reckless rage it. The deck is designed to take advantage of those kind of matchups and say, if you are trying to stonewall me with your blockers, I'm going to get through. I'm going to get damage, in, especially with my with my flyers in the air.
2: The only thing I think about this current list from Andy Awkward, and this is some, just something I would say after. Because it's looking so close to what blue red blue red prowess looked like in modern, in a sense, is I really would want some kind of additional cheap counterspell in the sideboard. Like I'm, yeah. I I feel like two spell pierce is less than I would want post board in a deck like this. I I really loved in these decks being able to if you do know you're against black, you know, removal decks having cheaper access to cheaper kind of counter magic, I think is really helpful in this sense. And so I, you know, you got to make choices in deck building. So I understand how you end up with only two of them, but I would want at least three. I would think, especially when you don't have anything main to, uh, to help protect things. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's also good against early planes, walkers and stuff like
1: that. So, um, just something that I would look to tweak some more, but for sure gets you out of the, you know, the desperation three mana anger, the gods type thing, where it's like, yeah, exactly. Like, oh, thank goodness. Um, I do like that. You can play Yugantha as your companion, which really jukes people consistently thinking they're playing. It's like a sack deck. And so it's just like, nope, I'm not. And so it's, it can be helpful game one, even when people keep hands, I might not otherwise keep. I'm just taking a look at Jesse's list. Again, the list I played to see why, why, could, because of Dig
2: have be played in this one too. What am I dig missing? Time. Oh, and Borrow. Dig through time. time. That's what it is. Yeah. Time. yeah,
1: Treasure Cruise yeah. is absurd. By the way, like this deck, this deck fills the graveyard so quickly and so efficiently, and then you just refill with Treasure Cruise, and you use 100 percent feel like you're doing something broken. So, and this is probably the first deck when I'm really doing getting reps with Expressive Iteration. Like I just haven't played a lot of Is it decks with this card you don't say it is one of (laughs) them it's one of the most absurd cards ever played it's 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 It's, it's the best card in magic right now shane it's bonkers it's bonkers good other than ledger two mana draw two two. yeah i love it okay anyway uh so that's that's a lot on that deck but i think that deck's good i think all these decks are going to be iterated upon and messed with and that's another way of saying iterated upon by the way and uh see some success did we incept shane I was just wondering the same thing. I'm like, what world are we
2: in where Shane is suddenly willing to play Blue Red Prowess in Pioneer? I mean, I like playing with
0: good We didn't cards. even ask him to.
1: Well, here's, yeah, here's a real didn't thing. Didn't ask him to. I barely got to use Ledger Shredder. Like, I played a large number of games, and, like, I kept winning with, like, nine, nine Sprite Dragons, and, like, my Ledger Shredders would just <laughs> die or never hit the battlefield. And it's just like, that's fine. I'll take it. Yeah. I think we I think we did it, Stan. I think I think podcast is over. This this four year
2: long experiment wow. to get Shane to play blue cards is finally. I have all to these net. cards too.
1: Oh no, <laughs> I don't was... I don't own River Glide Pathway yet. Oh, I kept not buying wow. them. Okay, That's okay. Uh, last deck, an explorer, yeah. pioneer. What do we got? Really different from all the is it decks
2: that we're talking about? And it's it's a combo deck, and that is Esper Grease Fang. Definitely played against it in Explorer. I don't have as much experience seeing this deck in Pioneer. I'm assuming. Some version of it is around in Pioneer as well, but um, Grease Fang, this is exactly the type of deck that we were talking about towards the end of the segment. We were talking about just about uh, Shredder on its own, where we said it enables your combo, it enables your ability to get the cards you want in the graveyard, but also if someone messes with your graveyard, you still have a threat that is big enough to potentially close the game out for you. And let me tell you, I lost against Grease Fang a couple of times
0: on arena recently where that's exactly what happened. Yeah. Grease Fang. That is a deck that it's, it's absurd that it got a new piece of tech because I feel like Grease Fang is, is almost the pioneer version of living end where it's just like, it has one of the sickest game ones in the format that just yeah. like abuses the graveyard to generate like so much power overwhelm the board no matter what opponent is doing and then sometimes like if 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 your sideboard plan is good you can just kind of deal with it there but still
2: yeah i am just come into the realization that we are definitely not going to be able to talk about the, uh, the other decks from the patrons, and I just want to apologize to people right now, but let's keep this <laughs> Shredder train rolling. I mean, do you guys like Grease Fang? Would you play Grease Fang? Oh, I, I mean, it seems like a pretty tight combo deck now that I've watched it a couple of times. It wins on like turn three. Does it win in like turn
1: three? Yeah, in, basically, in, yeah. Or sometimes like, you you might brutal. as well just
0: scoop once they do it once, unless you have like... It uses um, yeah,
1: the Demir Looter card into Grease Fang equals win f- often right how i but you can stop your, it but
0: yeah your your best game one plans against it are like certain counter magic if you have it and like in pioneer you don't because like most counter magic is really bad and you have to play mono blue to to have a fighting chance like if you're running settle the wreckage that's pretty yeah. good um and like if you're playing some turn some game one artifact hate like a soul guide lantern Hand disruption might do it too, but then like they'll they'll sometimes just like top deck a Griefing. They'll Vang. draw into it. Yeah, you can't fast seize their deck, right? So, so greasefang is annoying.
2: So moving on to Ledger Shredder in Modern, obviously lots of stuff going on here. Similar styles of decks in some ways, but I think the deck that we could look at first is Merktide. Essentially, a bunch of people trying Ledger Shredder in Merktide with one super surprising thing, and that is that. Some people are taking out Deathrite Shaman for Ledger Shredder and just playing Ragavan, Ledger Shredder, and Murktide. Basically the same deck.
0: Otherwise- I mean, I, I kind of think this is experimentation that is waiting to be proven. Yes. Just because... I'm not saying that
2: this is... I'm, none of this is saying that these are this is settled law. <laughs> yeah. This right, canon. right. We're not, we're,
0: we're not condoning. <laughs> like I'm not, we're just yeah. responding. Yeah, but, but my initial reaction to that is like, that's a pretty brave move because part of what makes DRC so powerful is that it's a turn one play that you can protect forever, and it takes over the games. Whereas Shredder is a little bit more vulnerable, being a turn two play that dies to most of the relevant removal in the format. Yeah, yeah, but it is interesting
2: to note that this person went came in fifth place and went seven and zero in a modern challenge with this deck. This is Yumi Kawa. This is this is someone whose na- re- name nope. read no Yumi Neku. Y- Yumi Neku. Yep, Yumi. We all know them. You, Dave, did
1: you say death Rage shaman?
2: By the way, did I say death Rage shaman? You all know what yeah. I mean. It's dragons rage channeler, Yeah, not legal in modern. Don't spell. send me any letters. I know who it is. <laughs> Angry tweets. You know who this is. So I, I mean, I think it makes total sense here. We already talked a lot about the synergy between something like bauble and ledger shredder. Between all the cheap spells in modern ledger shredder, it makes a ton of sense in murktide uh, as another flyer. And I, you know, like I said earlier. I definitely had ledger shredders that were as big as Merc Tide Regent's that I've had in the past as well. I've had a ledger shredder that blocked a Merc Tide Regent. Sorry. Whoa.
0: How like are you not playing against interactive decks? I don't like I just what I don't understand is how your shredders are surviving that
1: long. Yeah, right. Skill. <laughs> <That's> really good. <laughs> One eyebrow. It's like it's like me when I would complain about the prowess decks in modern where it's just like, they're always dying to removal. It's like, it's sometimes, and then you guys are like, what are you talking about, Shane? Just be good. Sometimes things don't die. I mean, it, but if you, like, let's take
2: a look at, is it, like in a mirror match where I, if I was playing a Ledger Shrider against Murktide, if I grow it out of Unholy Heat range, if I if I keep them off of Delirium for a while, and grow it out of Lightning Bolt range, and then grow it over time out of unholy heat range, they can't kill it in this deck, right? They can bounce it, but that's that's kind of where you're at. And so there's, you know, the the range of times where the cards are good against Ledger Shredder are, are finite, sort of, in this particular deck. And that, that happens with other decks too. So it's, it's not like it happened all the time,
0: but it's definitely a thing that can happen. <laughs> can, can I also, another sidebar, yeah. just looking at this modern list, Two unlicensed hearse in yes. the sideboard.
1: Yes. Yeah, I played it. I played it in my uh pioneer deck. I just didn't get a chance to use it against anything.
2: I think that card is definitely good. Like I just think it's a good piece of graveyard removal. It's gonna be in a lot of places, mostly because it comes in and gets rid of two cards and it turns into a threat, which is a nice bonus. But um yeah. It's a good card, Stan. You you got that one right.
0: You know, I I was thinking about our, our collective analyses of this card. And something I didn't say at the time that I think is becoming more and more true of new sets, where like we were looking at this card against Scavenging Ooze, and you guys were like saying, like, well, Scavenging Ooze gains life, blah, 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 cha, 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 cha. Sometimes you have like enough green mana that you can grow it like really rapidly. And I'm starting to wonder if like we can't hold any old cards as Sacred Cows anymore, period.
2: I think that's true. I think the other thing is we just didn't talk about the fact that scavenging use is only available green decks and there are decks that aren't green yeah. that are going to want this effect. And mm-hmm. that's just what we, we literally didn't talk about that when we were t- discussing the card and that's a huge
1: aspect of it. So yes, sure. Scavenging use is sometimes good, but I still haven't won with or seen anyone win with this card. So it could just still be in testing phase, by the way. I mean, like, I mean, I'm sure it's a good card. It does. It, it, one of those things where it's just like, again, it has to it has to last for a while and it has yes. to have something to crew it and yes. I think those are very real possibilities and so i think it's i think it's a cool addition to the the suite of graveyard interaction that we have yeah that yeah. also can attack
0: yeah yeah i I just wanted to make that point of just like it's so hard to like consider old cards as like if anything like they have to prove that they're better than the new cards these days more often than vice versa, just because like the power creep is everywhere
2: yeah, I think we should just be more yeah aware that. Power creep is a thing, and be more forgiving to new cards, or at least look at them a little bit harder for a minute and go, okay, why is this better instead of saying why it's not better?
1: Um, Let's keep talking about some more decks. Yes.
2: So, next deck I want to talk about is what I consider to be Murktide's strange cousin, and that is Grix's Shadow. So, Aspiring Spike, as I mentioned earlier, played Grix's Shadow with Ledger Shredder in it. I played it. I played a league with it too. Um, I think it's excellent in shadow and the cart what you cut from shadow is uh fatal push in the main deck going out there with no fatal push which is a little sketchy and <laughs> definitely made it kind of hard a couple of times to to do some stuff um also cutting back on one on holy heat and then cutting one land is what it feels like the difference between the lists are to me. Um but drown a lot closes some of that gap that fatal push has 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 had before and honestly the the way that you cast one mana spells in this deck with mishra's bauble all those kind of things on top of having ledger shredders ability to loot and get you through the quality that you want with dragon's ray channeler it just felt like it naturally it really really went together super well um i did pretty well with it honestly i've had a rough go of magic the last three weeks or so shout out to all the people in discord who have been feeling Losing a lot as (laughs) well, but this is the most kind of at home that I felt playing uh, with anything in the last couple of weeks for sure, other than Mono Blue Spirits, which I've been doing well with in Explorer. But um, yeah, I think this deck is really good. I think if you're a shadow person, you should definitely try it out. Really, I haven't seen Michael Rapp talk about it at all yet, so I'd be curious to see what he thinks, but I really enjoyed playing a shadow list that had 18 threats in it as well instead of 14 so I think that's another thing to just take into account as, as well.
0: Yeah, I, I even think that like, and correct me if your experiences are different, but pairing it with something like Thoughtseize and Inquisition is interesting, not because they're cheap spells to double spell with, but because it can be so vulnerable to just like a single bolt. And you it's, it's really easy to just clear the way, turn one, get a removal spell out of their hand, turn two, Ledger Shredder, that you've like preemptively protected. Yeah. The other aspect of that that's really good with with
2: those kind of spells is that when you don't want them later in the game, they're easy tosses to connive. Yes, yes. And so, like you said about uh, you know the earlier cards that we were talking about, same thing.
0: Reckless Rage. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. Uh, worth mentioning someone, Bear Spider in the chat, just mentioned that Grixis Death Shadow doesn't have any main deck dress downs right now. They're all on the sideboard. I think that you could probably reconfigure to put one or two main deck if you wanted to, but you'd have to cut down on some other things. So, yeah, maybe maybe this is a card that bumps that out of main deck as well. Uh so you don't really have the combo kill with Shadow, which is kind of interesting. Like you don't have that threat in the main deck in this version, but I I think it works okay.
0: Well, I'm happy for you.
2: Yeah. Awesome. Good deck. Okay. Do we talk about reanimator yet? No, but I think we should. Yes, we should. I guess we talked about it in the breakdown of the from the event, right? A little
1: bit, but Yeah, this is a little bit different. This is like a uh, you know, I heard rumor about this deck. Canister has been streaming this deck. He's been working on iterations of this deck. Some have had, like, Murktide Regent. Some have had Ledger Shredder. And what's interesting about these is there's no Unmarked Grave. There's no Faithful Mending in the Ledger Shredder version. There's Consider, Tainted Indulgence, that card we talked about before. And the Shredder are all filling your graveyard with your our kind of cruelties when you need to or just cards you don't have a lot of value for. You persist them back when you need to, or you can just win with Ledger, uh, or if you're playing the Merc Tide version, I suppose you do that. So there is a good player evidence of a deck that they thought was worth at least experimenting with. Uh, he has a VOD on YouTube if you want to watch like four and a half hours of two different <laughs> Reanimator decks going through leagues, so uh, enjoy that if you can. That's, that's just so much, so much VOD watching for me there. <laughs> but yeah. What do we have next? I think this one is is more interesting. It's more novel. Yeah. And then this, I think,
2: is the last deck that we had. One of the last decks that we had to talk about, at least in modern, just for now. You know, this is the deck that I think everybody thinks of as pure-ish combo, which is Breach. Is it is it Breach with Ledger Shredder in it as well? You know, uh, Jesse, who we talked to earlier about the Pioneer deck, also posted a five
0: zero with this deck. It, it, let's clarify the Jesse we keep referring to. This is at Titty Pills on Twitter. Yep. You probably see her popping up a lot. She was on a recent episode of Grindcast. She's been working with the Professor at Tolarian Academy. Follow Titty Pills. Great content. Great player. Yeah, and a good friend. And yeah, I, I think that in our in our Discord, people
2: were talking about trying Ledger Shredder in Breach Two. And it just kind of all came together. still works. But this is one of those things where I think that she even referred to it in the tweet where she talked about the list with uh, a hinge threat, I think she called it, or something like that, which is a or pivot threat, I think is an interesting way to think about that kind of card where you're kind of, this is that idea of, it's a card that helps fill my graveyard and it grows from filling my graveyard into a threat, but it's not reliant on the graveyard staying intact in order to continue to be a threat. And so I think that that gives you kind of like a good plan B uh, in a deck like Breach. Now, I'm not going to pretend that, that I understand Breach. Breach is about the least likely deck that I am to pick up in Modern, but I know that a lot of people love, love this deck. And um, yeah, it's got a lot of power. It's here with that same core of Dragon Drace Channeler and Ragavan Expressive Iteration. You know, all these good red-blue cards, still good.
1: Yeah, so let's, let's tie a bow on Ledger Shredder. I think I don't know if we need to tie the bow any harder than we did in the intro section of the dive down. And we proceeded to just give you list after list of decks that are taking advantage of this card in different ways. And I, I think the thing that I heard us say the most this episode is like, it's just, it's a piece that can close the game by itself, but also do a lot to enable you to win. And so that reminds me of cards like Dragon's Rage Channeler, In Modern, we talked about something like that, where it's the reason it's so good is because it's helping you enact your strategy. It's digging through the deck, and it can fly over things and take over the game. Even like you said, Dave, going back to the olden days when Tarmogoyf was the threat du jour, that was closing the game by itself after you were doing what you were doing uh, with your strategy. And I think this is a 2022 version of a card, if you needed to be any more 2022 20, than DRC already was. And again, I don't think we're saying this is better than DRC. It's just another piece of these puzzles where it's like, hey, do you want to get a lot of value for a cheap spell that can also just uh, take care of your opponent's life total over like two or three turns? Then here's your piece. And because the graveyard is such a valuable uh, zone of the game of magic, and because digging through your deck is always something that you want to be doing, it's just you're, you're getting a lot for a little. And there's, the, the floor is very high. I mean, the floor is two mana, eats a removal spell. That's the case for a ton of different spells, right? It's not, there's no ETB here. But if you play this card in the type of decks that want it, and you maybe play it like a seasoned Pyromancer, where it's like, I'm not going to just expose this to removal and move on, guess uh, depending on the rest of the texture of your hand. But it just it's it's going to do a lot the the turn you play it if you're doing anything that you're supposed to be doing with this card. New staple, new multi format staple. I think is what it is,
2: right? Like I mean, I don't know for sure what deck it's going to turn out to be the best in, or in for the longest, or anything like that. But I just think it's a card that is good, <laughs> you know. And people are going to be using no, it felon. for a while.
1: It's committing felonies.
0: Yeah. <laughs> do- well, take it's document a, destruction it's a- seriously. It's an attorney. Our first playable
1: attorney. Wasn't Anna Fenza the foremost a barrister? <laughs> Anna Fenza the foremost? Why? Why? That's just the card that popped into my head.
0: Wow. <laughs> so like a British defense lawyer.
2: Yeah, she had the funny wig. She didn't have a wig. <laughs> she had a she had a chariot and like Dave. Goats. What's,
1: what's the what's the rule? What's the rule of, of podcasting?
0: Yes, and <laughs> All right, that wraps up this week's hilarious show. Thanks, guys, for the good discussion on our new friend, the bird Lawyer. And listen, if you out there want to check out a career in law, you know, you got to take the LSATs, but look into law school. There's a lot of great law schools all over the world, and we believe in you. Also, if you haven't yet, make sure you subscribe to our podcast so you get the latest episodes as soon as they come out. If you use Apple or Spotify, you can leave us a rating and on Apple a review. If you'd like to reach out to us, you can find us on Twitter at thedivedown, all one word. You can also email at thedivedown at gmail.com. If you'd like to support the show, you can find us on Patreon, patreon.com slash thedivedown. You can support us while playing Magic, play some Ledger Shredders. This is probably a car that you want to buy on Moto, I feel like, because it's a rare. It's going to get expensive if it hasn't it already. But... Until then, you can rent it Mana Traders if you use promo code the Down 2022 You'll get 15% off your first two months of renting Magic Online cards. Also, as of this week, the latest monthly tournament series on Mana Traders is Popper, which is cool because basically any tier of a mana Trader subscription is good enough to rent popper decks. So participate in that for a little extra upside with your mana traders account. You can also support us with Barrister and Man, get 15% off your first order from barristerandman.com. Get some sweet grooming or shaving or other fragrance and soapy products. Barrister and Man, you're going to like the way you smell. I guarantee it. As always, special thanks to the bands Nowhere and Space Flood for letting us use their music. And until next week, get out there and
2: cuckoo, <coughs>